All righty, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. And uh, this is the day that uh, in our last podcast that uh, Wiz you alluded to and that uh, most teams were going to be, well, all teams are going to be cutting their rosters down. And uh, that process has, uh, in, it has been going on in full swing today with a, a number of roster moves being made across the NFL. Yeah, it really has, and uh, the two that have stood out to me so far today, I mean, you know, Miami's done some interesting things with uh, their roster, but the two that have stood out to me so far was Marlon Mack being uh, released by um, by the Texans, and the Kenyon Drake, Kenyon Drake getting signed by the Ravens. Um, I think, you know, you have to just read between the lines there, and I'm not sure if it's more of uh, Gus Edwards they're really concerned about, how long he's going to be out for, or, you know, J.K. Dobbins, who uh, Ian Rappaport was saying may be on the uh, wrong side of questionable as we head into uh, the first few weeks of the season. Yeah, and Mike Davis is still on the roster. Justice Hill did end up making it as as the last running back uh, on the roster as well. So, yeah, th- things to watch there, certainly with Damian Pierce, who, who we also discussed uh, in, in the last couple of podcasts in terms of a player, uh, you know, believing the hype or not my type. And, and, and Pierce, you know, certainly is going to have a path now to, to, to more touches uh, with at the moment Mac not being there. Look, there's going to be more roster moves. So just the one thing I, I would highlight here as you head into drafts, I know I have one, my first one tomorrow and another one on Thursday is, uh, you know, the, these moves are, are relevant for, you know, how, how are you going to view and rank players? Um, you're going to continue to see some some uh, you know, veterans move around. I thought the other one was was uh, was the fact that Albert Ogabunum is going to really open the season as the sole tight end, uh, with the rookie being moved on to uh, uh, injured reserve as well. So something that I th- that caught my eye. There's been a number of guys that we've kind of talked about. Uh, well, well, the press and, and beat writers have talked about. Uh, there were some surprising cuts here and there. I mean, Buffalo had a, had a little bit of an issue in terms of a numbers game uh, with their wide receivers, but they've made some choices. But th- nonetheless, we're just trying to make sure that uh, folks are prepared as they head into their drafts, uh, which really are going to start uh, in earnest uh, in the middle of this week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and today, uh, Wiz, we're going to do uh, something that uh, you, you brought up to me. Uh, you know, some people will call it stacking. Uh, at times, I phrased it as double dipping uh, when it comes to fantasy. Uh, and it's really uh, a strategy which, you know, there's a, there's a number of different uh I would say, characteristics around it. But really, you know, going for a strategy where you're seeking out players from from one team's offense and and putting that to work now whether you're doing a snake draft or an auction draft obviously there's going to be a cost to that in a snake draft depending on how early some of the skill set players end up going in an auction draft the value of those uh, in the past i've definitely employed the strategy uh, on more than one occasion has been very successful on a few occasions it is it has not been uh, and uh, you know wiz and i thought we would talk a little bit about that type of uh, uh, that type of strategy which again uh, depending on you know players that you like or not, and, and at times it can be done uh, in, in a way with a it can be done with a quarterback and a receiver. It can be so somewhat of an embracing of an entire offense. But again, the, the, those all come uh, with some risks attached to them. Yeah, I mean, have you ever gone into you know an auction type draft with the 
you know, intention of, you know, looking to stack an offense or, or more specifically a quarterback and wide receiver or quarterback and both receivers? Uh, yeah, a full intention a few years ago uh, when it came to the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and, and uh, Travis Kelsey. There was full intent and it worked out very, very well got me a championship, uh, and a few years earlier uh, in, in my fantasy football um, experience, uh, it completely blew up in my face where I tried to attack the Dallas Cowboys uh, from a similar angle with Tony Romo, Des Bryant, and um, I think, I don't, believe it was De- I don't believe it was Ezekiel Elliott, I think we were in the Julius Jones era, and that ended up becoming a complete disaster. Now, you know, when I looked at this past season, was um, I, I tried to look at some elite offenses, and I and I was the fortune. I was the I had the good fortune in one of my leagues of having uh, Herbert and Eckler, uh, which ended up being a terrific combination. Not because it was a pot- not only because it was a potent offense, but the fact that Eckler caught so many touchdown passes from from uh, from Herbert. But when I looked at skill set positions, where two guys in an offense in this past year ended up in the top ten. Uh, there were four that kind of stood out, and I'm talking about a running back and a receiver, and that was the case last year. With uh, we knew well going into the season, people thought that Ezekiel Elliott and Ceedee Lamb would kind of be in that range. Aaron Jones and Devonte Adams, Eckler and Keenan Allen, and De- Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson. Um, now it ended up that Jefferson and Cook and Eckler and Keenan Allen actually both held on to those top ten values going into the drafts that they had. Uh, but for the other teams, that was not the case. Ezekiel Elliott ended up being a big disappointment from a fantasy perspective last year. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, so if you have a quarterback, let's say, well, uh, let's just say you know Justin Herbert, and you know now you're a little bit later in the draft. Let's say I don't know where this player is going, maybe around three or four, or whatever. We'll use we use that as a tiebreaker. Let's say you have a choice between a couple of receivers that you feel are very very similar, uh, and Mike Williams is one of those receivers. Would you use that as the tiebreaker? How about not even a tiebreaker? Let's say you preferred another receiver, but you had Mike Williams available. Would you go as so far as to get the combination and stack? that you would take Mike Williams over a receiver that you liked a little bit better just because you had the quarterback? No, I would, I would not do that. That's my personal view. I would not do that. I, I would have to have that sense that that player was going to really outperform the other player, not just because of the fact that I actually had that quarterback. Yeah, see, I, I, I'm, that's, that's where I come in. I mean, I, I just feel that... I, I, I just have to look at every player and every pick that I make organ, you know, as a separate entity. And if it happens, it happens, but it's going to happen organically. Like last year, I, I was in eight leagues, and I drafted Tom Brady in eight leagues. And in four of the leagues, I had Mike Evans with Brady, and in four of the leagues, I had Chris Godwin. And it, it, I just wasn't thinking um, – you know, I need to stack. I need to get one or the other. I thought the offense was going to be tremendously prolific, and it worked out where I was able to get one of those guys. And then in another league, you and I actually had Brady, Godwin, and Fournette, and we were going wild in some of those games uh, when when Tampa was throwing the ball all over the place, especially when Fournette was getting involved in the passing game. But I look at it more organically, and I just feel like if you go in with that mindset, there are just too many things that could kind of like distract you from what you need to do. So I think I'm along the same lines, and I would not take a receiver 
that I felt was not as good as another receiver who was available just to get that receiver with a quarterback that I may have on my roster. Yeah, I would say one strategy that I have liked to employ is drafting a quarterback that's kind of not considered in that kind of top tier, but I think is capable of having a breakout season. And combined with the fact that he has an elite receiver on his team, uh, that is a strategy that is somewhat enticing to me. So let's say in an auction league, for example, I'm just, just going to throw this out as an example. And I'm not saying I'm doing it or, or, or not doing it. Uh, Tyreek Hill will have high value still uh, in an auction format, probably top 10 wide receiver value. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa, that being said, is probably going to be, I don't know, somewhere between quarterback 13 and 20 is what I would say. But if I was of the mindset that Tua was going to have this kind of breakout year, would I be enticed to kind of hook that hook that duo up, knowing that one of them in the quarterback is going to come at a significant discount? That's something in the past that I, I definitely have taken a look at, Wiz. Yeah, no, that, 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 but that's like kind of comes naturally because in that situation, you're clearly going to be taking the receiver way, way early in the draft. And then kind of from a value perspective, you'll get the quarterback much, much later in the draft. That's correct. That's correct. It, it, it's different than like going about it where you're grabbing Justin Herbert in, in round two or three or whatever of a snake draft or really paying up an auction draft and then saying, okay, I'm going to really try and get the combination of Keenan Allen Michael Williams and Justin Herbert together. So, yeah, I think it's a lot easier to go about it in the way that you're describing, where you get the receiver first, and then the quarterback is kind of like um, not looked upon as a top 10 or 12 guy, and then you kind of get him uh, as a late-round pick where there's extreme value on the player. Yeah, agreed. And and, 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 and let me – I'll flip the the cards here, Wiz. When you, when you come into a fantasy season, and I'm pretty sure you're going to do this, you know, you mentioned you had a view on Brady and the Tampa offense. Uh, I'm guessing right now coming into this season, we've talked a lot about the AFC West. In fact, we've joked around saying that, you know, those four o'clock games are going to be pretty exciting uh, this season because of all the offensive talent that's in that division. And obviously the mostly be later games on on a lot of, uh, on a lot of occasions, but you know, I think coming into the season, are you looking at it when you walk into a season to say, Hey, you know, these are five to seven offenses that I think have, significant upside uh well maybe some are obvious and maybe some are not but is that kind of a mindset that you take when you come into this football season yeah it it really is i mean i'm looking at that afc west and i'm thinking the mvp of the national football this league this year is going to be one of those four quarterbacks from that conference uh and i think any one of them could really win it uh i think some of them are really up there uh as favorites to win it justin herbert and, and patrick Mahomes are always going to be top five candidates win the mvp and russell wilson and Derek carr are both uh, both up there as well as far as potential so yeah i'm looking at, at you know that type of uh situation also what i like is you know look at the team's that they're going to be playing. I mean, you're, you're not going to win many games, 13-10, 17-13. So you have to figure the offenses are going to have to put up near 30 points in a lot of those division games. So uh, it, it lends itself for a lot of good support from a fantasy football perspective. 
Yeah, and, and like in talking about stacking maybe a running back and a receiver from from uh, from one team that has a prolific offense, right? Like one one team that kind of jumps off the bat, obviously they went to the Super Bowl last year, and that's the Bengals. And even though Joe Burrow hasn't touched the field in preseason, dealing with his appendix, uh, a little bit slow to kind of recover from that. But, you know, you have a player like Mixon, a player like Jamar Chase, where both players are ranked somewhere in kind of the top seven at the position, um, you know, let, let's leave the quarterback out of it. Is there is there sometimes that you go, you, you do you do you make a decision to say, hey, I'm going to go for the running back and the receiver from that talented offense? No, I've never really I've never really done that. I just you know I don't I, I don't I don't think about it in in, in that way. Uh, you know, I like you know <clears throat> try and draft teams on prolific offenses, but I'm just not my mind doesn't work like that to take a receiver or a running back you know if it works out organically like that it does but um i've never I've never thought about it like that and uh, I just feel like going into these drafts like you just have to keep an open mind and not get persuaded by things like that. I just view it again I'm gonna use the same term as this you know it's separate entities each position, each player, and I'm just looking to draft from, from the, you know, snake draft perspective or an actual auction draft, the best value. And wherever the chips lie, and I'm looking at my roster at the end of the draft, that's how it's going to be. If I have a, you know, a quarterback with a receiver on a prolific offense, um, that's fantastic. But if not, then I feel I've done the best I could with looking for value. Yeah, I think it makes perfect sense. I, I just have one last point uh, before, I, I, and then I'll hand it to you if you have any more points. Is you know, I've kind of made a determination this season uh, where I am staying away from certain teams under like no circumstances. Am I going to have a player from, from a few teams in my drafts? I'm going to make sure that that's the case. Uh, is that, do you call that strategy crazy or is that something that you've done in the past as well? Uh, it's, it's so funny you bring that up. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm in probably been in six to eight leagues for the longest time. I cannot name the last New York jet, that I had on my team. <laughs> and I've been thinking about it, thinking about it. I just can't name it now. I don't know. Like, they have good players, and the Giants have good players, but I just don't end up with uh, a lot of players on the two New York teams. And uh, it's not something that I set out to do, but it's just the way it is. So I guess maybe subconsciously I am doing that. Uh, it seems like you are much more aware of it. It seems like I'm doing it as well. I'm just not sitting out to do it. Just It just turns out to be that way. Well, you know, the other thing is, too, we're, we're in the New York metropolitan area here, and there is a little bit of a homer bias, right? We've seen guys that, you know, they want to watch their Giants and Jets on Sunday, right? So they're going to put them on their fantasy teams. I would say that's probably applicable for guys or, or gals living in California where you want to watch your Niners or you want to watch your Chargers or Rams, you know, so there could be that local bias that goes on in some of these drafts and maybe, maybe subconsciously what's ended up happening and, and you being a value seeker is the fact that those players in the New York Metropolitan drafts are going for maybe a little more than they should. Maybe that's a contributing factor. I don't know. I don't know if that's the case, but it is possible. Yeah, yeah, that, that that very well could be it, and it's probably also due to the fact that the Jets and Giants have stunk for a long oh, period yeah. of time too, and you just don't. Yeah, I mean, I, when I watch the Jets and Giants games, quite frankly, it's almost always because I have a player on the opposing team on my fantasy league. 
Yeah, it's not been enjoyable at one o'clock. You know, think about it. Back in the day, we would never actually have the Jets and Giants on television simultaneously. Uh, that's been the case many times over the last four years because the two teams have been uh, very difficult to watch. Very difficult to watch. So, uh, yeah, that, that, that's yeah, all absolutely. I have. Do you have uh, anything else to add before we sign off, with? I mean, I, I think I think the, the two the two to- the, the two takeaways that I you know I think if people should get from this is one. Don't set out, you know, to 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 try and stack, um, because you really should do everything organically. But I think you know you made a good point, and I think that's probably the way to do it. Is kind of do it in an upside down way, where you're kind of getting the elite receiver uh, first, and then you're getting value on a quarterback afterwards. Because otherwise, there is no question about it you're going to have to use two of those picks up or a lot of your equity in an auction draft um, on those two players. If you do it where you're going for a top five quarterback and then the receivers in the top 10. So doing it in an upside down way that you mentioned, I think is the smart way to do it where you're going and you're getting that elite receiver and then you're getting a value of a quarterback who's probably ranked outside the top 10 or 15 or right around that area that has top five upside that is absolutely the best way to do it and uh, i think the way you talked about it is the way to go all right fantastic Wiz. well again job well done as always guru and Wiz fantasy football podcast we're on spotify or on apple Podcasts and soundcloud uh, like I said, good luck in these drafts. Uh, we'll try to provide as much color as we can as we head into it, but we'll, we'll be very busy with some of them. But again, uh, we'll continue to be uh, putting out these podcasts. Uh, but good luck if you are drafting this week. And, uh, Wiz, I'll wish you a good night. Yeah, good luck in your upcoming drafts next tonight.